0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome
1: back. Let's turn to another critically important issue Senator, Secretary, the issue of energy and the environment. Secretary Clinton, Senator Sanders has said, you are in the pocket of the fossil fuel industry. You say you're sick and tired of him lying about your record.
2: What are his lies? (laughs) Well, let me start by saying, we need to talk about this issue. And we should talk about it in terms of the extraordinary threats that climate change poses to our country and our world. And that's why for the last many years, both in the Senate and as Secretary of State, it's been a big part of my uh, commitment to see what could be done. But there has never been any doubt that when I was a senator, I tried—I joined with others to try to get rid of the subsidies for big oil. And I have proposed that again, because that's what I think needs to be done as we transition from fossil fuels uh, to clean energy. And everyone who's looked at this independently, the Washington Post and others who give us both hard times when called for on facts, have said that this is absolutely an incorrect false charge. So we both have relatively small amounts of contributions from people who work for fossil fuel uh, companies, best we can tell from the uh, reports that are done, but that is not being supported by big oil, and I think it's important to distinguish that. And let's talk about what each of us has proposed to try to combat greenhouse gas emissions and put us on the fastest track possible to clean energy.
3: Thank you, Uh, we're gonna get to that too, but I want you to respond, Senator. It is one thing, as the secretary indicated, to talk about workers. I'm sure I have contributions, you have contributions from workers in every industry uh, in the country. But as I understand it, 43 lobbyists for the fossil fuel industry maxed out, gave the maximum amount of money to Secretary Clinton's campaign. Now, that's not saying... And then some people say, well, you know, given the hundreds of millions of dollars she raised, it's a small amount. That's true. But that does not mean to say that the lobbyists there thought she was a pretty good bet on this issue. Now, what I think is, when we look at climate change now, we have got to realize that this is a global environmental crisis of unprecedented urgency. And it is not good enough, you know, if we, God forbid, were attacked tomorrow, the whole country would rise up and say, we got an enemy out there, we got to do something about it. That was what 9-11 was about. We have an enemy out there. And that enemy is going to cause drought and floods and extreme weather disturbances. There's going to be international conflict. I am proud, Wolf, that I have introduced the most comprehensive climate change legislation, including a tax on carbon, something I don't believe Secretary Clinton. Secretary Clinton, go
2: ahead and respond. Well, let's talk about the global environmental crisis. Starting in 2009, as your Secretary of State, I worked with President Obama to bring China and India to the table for the very first time to get a commitment out of them that they would begin to address their own greenhouse gas emissions. I continued to work on that throughout the four years as Secretary of State. And I was very proud that President Obama and America led the way to the agreement that was finally reached in Paris with 195 nations committing to take steps to actually make a difference in climate change. And I was, I was surprised and disappointed when Senator Sanders attacked the agreement, said it was not enough, it didn't right. go far enough. Right. You know, at some point, putting together 195 countries, I know a little bit about that, was a major accomplishment. And our president Senator. led the effort to protect our world. Go ahead, Senator. And he deserves, he deserves okay. our appreciation, let's, let's, not our criticism.
3: Let's talk about that. When you were Secretary of State, you also worked hard to expand fracking to countries all over the world. But the issue here, of course the agreement is a step forward, but you know agreements and I know agreements. There's a lot of paper there. We've got to get beyond paper right now. We have got to lead the world in transforming our energy system, not tomorrow, but yesterday. And what that means, Wolf, it means having the guts to take on the fossil fuel industry. Now, I am on board. Legislation says, you know what? We ain't going to excavate for fossil fuel on public land. That's not Secretary Clinton's position. Let us support a tax on carbon, not Secretary Clinton's position. Secretary, go ahead and respond.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm a little bewildered about how to respond. When you have an agreement which gives you the framework to actually take the action that would have only come about because under the Obama administration in the face of implacable hostility from the Republicans in Congress president Obama moved forward on gas mileage he moved forward on the clean power plan he has moved forward on so many of the fronts that he could given the executive actions that he was able to take and you know i am getting a little bit i'm getting a little bit concerned here because You know, I really believe that the President has done an incredible job against great odds and deserves to be supported. Now it's easy, it's easy to diagnose the problem, it's harder to do something about the problem. Thank you, Secretary. Continue on this, Errol Errol Lewis, go ahead with your question.
1: We're going to continue on this, Errol,
4: go ahead. Okay, Secretary Clinton, as Secretary of State, you also pioneered a program to promote uh, fracking around the world, as you described. Fracking, of course, a way of extracting natural gas. Now, as a candidate for president, you say that by the time you're done with all your rules and regulations, fracking will be restricted in many places around the country. Why have you changed your view on fracking?
2: No, I, well, I, I don't think I've changed my view on what we need to do to go from where we are, where the world is heavily dependent on coal and oil, but principally coal, to where we need to be, which is clean, renewable energy, and one of the bridge fuels is natural gas. And so for both economic and environmental and strategic reasons, it was American policy to try to help countries get out from under the constant use of coal, building coal plants all the time. Also to get out from under, especially if they were in Europe, the pressure from Russia which has been incredibly intense. So we did say natural gas is a bridge. We wanna cross that bridge as quickly as possible because in order to deal with climate change, we have got to move as rapidly as we can. That's why I've set big goals. I wanna see us deploy a half a billion more solar panels by the end of my first term and enough clean energy to provide electricity to every home in America within 10 years. So I have big bold goals, but I know in order to get from where we are, where the world is still burning way too much coal, where the world is still too intimidated by countries and providers like Russia, we have okay. got to make a very firm but decisive move in the direction well, of thank clean you, energy.
3: Oh, Senator. Yeah, here is Here is A real difference. This is a difference between understanding that we have a crisis of historical consequence here and incrementalism and those little steps are not enough. Not right now, not on climate change. Now the truth is, as Secretary of State, Secretary Clinton actively supported fracking technology around the world. Second of all, right now we have got to tell the fossil fuel industry that their short-term profits are not more important than the future of this planet. And that means, and I would ask you to respond, are you in favor of a tax on carbon so that we can transit away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy at the level and speed we need to do?
2: You know, I have laid out a set of actions that build on what President Obama was able to accomplish, building on the Clean Power Plan, which is currently under attack by fossil fuels and the right in the Supreme Court, which is one of the reasons why we need to get the Supreme Court justice that President Obama (laughs) has nominated to be confirmed so that we can actually continue to make progress. I I don't take a back seat to your legislation that you've introduced that you haven't been able to get passed. I wanna do what we can do to actually make progress. In dealing with the crisis, that's exactly what I have proposed. Okay, thank you, And Secretary my Church. approach, I think, is going to get us there faster Senator, without Senator tying Sanders. us up into political uh, knots it, okay. with a Congress okay, that Sanders. still would Senator not Sanders. support what you are uh, proposing. You, you, <laughs> Senator Sanders,
4: you've said that climate change is the greatest threat to our nation's security. Secretary uh, but you've called for not answer me, one Senator, simple Senator,
3: question. Senator, are you for a tax on carbon Senator, or not?
4: Yes. At, I have a question for you. You've okay. said that climate change is the greatest threat to our nation's security. You've called for a nationwide ban on fracking. You've also called for phasing out all nuclear power in the U.S. But wouldn't those proposals drive the country back to coal and oil and actually undermine your fight against global no, they, warming?
3: Look, here's where we are. Let me reiterate. We have a global crisis. Pope Francis reminded us that we are on a suicide course. Our legislation understands, Errol, that there will be economic dislocation. It is absolutely true. There will be some people who lose their job, and we build into our legislation an enormous amount of money to protect those workers. It is not their fault that fossil fuels are destroying our climate. But we have got to stand up and say right now, as we would if we were attacked by some military force, we have got to move urgently and boldly. What does that mean? Senator, Senator
4: jobs are one thing, but with uh, less than 6% of all U.S. energy coming from solar, wind, and geothermal, and 20% of U.S. power coming from nuclear, if you phase out all of that, how
3: do you make up that deficit? you don't phase it all out tomorrow and you certainly don't phase nuclear out tomorrow, but this is what you do do. What you do do is say that we are going to have a massive program, and I had introduced introduced legislation for 10 million solar rooftops. We can put probably millions of people to work retrofitting and weatherizing buildings all over this country, saving, rebuilding our rail system. Our mass transit system, if we approach this arrow as if we were literally at a war, you know? In 1941, under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, we moved within three years, within three years to rebuild our economy to defeat Nazism and Japanese imperialism. That is exactly the kind of approach we need right Thank now. Thank you. Lead the world. Thank you, Senator. Let's turn to another critically important issue.
1: The issue of national security and foreign policy. Secretary Clinton, President Obama says the worst mistake in office that he made over these past seven and a half years was not preparing for Libya after Muammar Gaddafi was removed. You were his secretary of state. Aren't you also responsible for that?
2: Well, let me say, I think we did a great deal to help the Libyan people after Gaddafi's uh, demise, and here's what we did. We helped them hold two successful elections, something that is not easy, uh, which they did very well because they had a pent-up desire to try to chart their own future after 42 years of dictatorship. I was very proud of that. We got rid of the chemical weapons stockpile that Gaddafi had, getting it out of Libya, getting it away from uh, militias or terrorist groups. We also worked to help them set up their government. We sent a lot of American experts there. We offered to help them secure their borders, to train a new military. They, at the end, when it came to security issues, Wolf, did not want troops from any other country, not just us, European or other countries, in Libya. And so we were caught in a very difficult position. They could not provide security on their own, which we could see, and we told them that, but they didn't want to have others helping to provide that security. And the result has been uh, a clash between different parts of the country, uh, terrorists taking up some uh, locations uh, in the country, and we can't walk away from that. We need to be working with European and Arab partners with the United Nations in order to continue to try to support them. The Libyan people deserve a chance, at democracy and self-government. And I, as president, will keep trying to give that well, Senator, go
3: ahead. According to the New York Times, for President Obama, this was a pretty tough call, like a 51-49 call, do you overthrow Gaddafi, who, of course, was a horrific dictator. But the New York Times told us it was Secretary Clinton who led the effort for that regime change. And this is the same type of mentality that supported the war in Iraq. Look, Gaddafi, Saddam Hussein are brutal brutal, murdering thugs. No debate about that. But what we have got to do and what the president was saying is we didn't think thoroughly about what happens the day after you get rid of these dictators. Regime change often has unintended consequences. In Iraq and in Libya right now, where ISIS has a very dangerous foothold. And I think if you study the whole history of American involvement in regime change, you see that quite often. Secretary, we're going to let you respond.
2: Yes, well, I, 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 I would just point out that there was a vote in the Senate as to whether or not the United States should support the efforts by the Libyan people to protect themselves against the uh, threats, the genocidal threats coming from Gaddafi, and whether we should go to the United Nations to seek Security Council support. Senator Sanders voted for that, and that's exactly what we did. No. We went to the United Nations—yes, yes, he did. We went to the United Nations Security Council. We got support from the Security Council. And we then supported the efforts of our European and Arab allies and partners. This was a request made to our government by the Europeans and by the Arabs because of their great fear of what chaos in Syria would do to them. And if you want to know what chaos does, not just to the people inside, but the people on the borders. Look at Syria. Nobody stood up to Assad and removed him, and we have had a far greater disaster in Syria than we are currently dealing with right now. Senator, Senator, go ahead.
3: Secretary Clinton made this charge in previous debates, and just repeating it doesn't make it truer. What you were talking about is what I think was what they call the unanimous consent. You know what that is? Basically, do we support Libya moving to democracy? Well, you know what? I surely have always supported Libya moving to democracy. But please do not confuse that with your active effort for regime change without contemplating what happened the day after that. Totally different issue. Well, second is of all, second of all, if I might, in terms of Syria. In terms of A senator, of Syria, let
2: her respond to that, then we'll get to that. Go okay. ahead, Secretary. There was also in that a reference to the Security Council, and I I know you're not shy when you oppose something, Senator, so yes, it was unanimous. That's exactly right, including you. And what we did was to try to provide support for our European and Arab allies and partners. The decision was the President's. Did I do the due diligence? Did I talk to everybody I could talk to? Did I visit every capital and then report back to the President? Yes, I did. That's what a secretary of state does. But at the end of the day, those are the decisions that are made by the president to in any way use American military power. And the president made that decision. And yes, we did try without success because of the Libyans' uh, obstruction to our efforts. But we did try and we will continue Thank to you, try secretary. to help the Libyan Go ahead, people. Senator. If you listen, you know...
3: Two points. Number one, yes, 100 to zero in the Senate voted for democracy in Libya, and I would vote for that again. But that is very different from getting actively involved to overthrow and bring about regime change without fully understanding what the consequence of that regime change would be. Second of all, I know you keep referring to uh, Barack Obama all night here, but you in Syria... You in Syria... Uh, talked about a no-fly zone, which the president certainly does not support, nor do I support, because A, it will cost an enormous sums of money. Second of all, it runs the risk of getting us sucked into perpetual warfare in that region. Thirdly, when we talk about Syria right now, no debate. Like Gaddafi, like Saddam Hussein, Assad is another brutal murdering dictator. But right now, our fight is to destroy ISIS first and to get rid of Assad second.
2: Well, I think think Senator uh, Senator Sanders has just reinforced my point. Yes, when I was Secretary of State, I did urge, along with the Department of Defense and the CIA, that we seek out, vet, and train and arm Syrian opposition figures so that they could defend themselves against Assad. The president said no. Now, that's how it works. People who work for the president make recommendations and then the president makes the decision. So I think it's only fair to look at where we are in Syria today. And yes, I do still support a no-fly zone. Because I think we need to put in safe havens for those poor Syrians who are fleeing both Assad and ISIS and have some place that they can be safe.
1: Staying on national security, Dana Bash has a question. Senator
2: Sanders, in
5: 1997, you said this about NATO. You said, quote, It is not the time to continue wasting tens of billions of dollars helping to defend Europe, let alone assuming more than our share of any costs associated with expanding NATO. Do you still feel that way? Well, what
3: I believe, uh, if my memory is correct here, we spend about 75% uh, of the entire cost of um, the uh, military uh, aspect of NATO. Uh, Given the fact that France has a very good health care system and free public education, uh, college education for their people. Uh, the UK uh, has a good national health service uh, and they also provide fairly reasonable higher education. You know what? Yeah, I do believe that the countries of Europe should pick up more of the burden for their defense. Yes, I do.
5: And just following up, Senator Sanders. Donald Trump also argues that NATO is unfair economically to the U.S. because America pays a disproportionate share. So how is what you say about NATO and your proposal different than his? Well,
3: you've got to ask Trump. All I can tell you well, is with a huge deficit, with 47 million people living in poverty, with our inner cities collapsing, yeah, I do think countries like Germany and UK and France and European countries whose economy, or at least its standard of living and healthcare and education, they're doing pretty well. So I would not be embarrassed as President of the United States to say to our European allies, you know what? The United States of America cannot just support your economies, you gotta put up your own fair share of the defense burden, nothing wrong with that.
5: Secretary Clinton.
2: I support our continuing uh, involvement in NATO, and it is important to ask for our NATO allies to pay more of the uh, cost. Uh, there is a requirement that they should be doing so, and I uh, believe that uh, needs to be enforced. But there's a larger question here. NATO has been the most successful military alliance in probably human history. It has bound together across the Atlantic, uh, countries uh, that are democracies that have many of the same values and interests. And now we need to modernize it and move it into the 21st century to serve as that head of our defense operations in uh, Europe, when it comes to terrorism and other threats that we face. Madam so, Secretary- yes, of course they should be paying more, but that doesn't mean if they don't, we leave, because I don't think that's in America's well, that, interest.
5: That's going to be part of my, my question to you is, to that point, there are 28 countries in the alliance, and the United States gives more money to, to NATO's budget than 21 of those countries combined. If they don't agree to pay more, as you suggested,
2: then what would you do as Commander-in-Chief? I will stay in NATO. I will stay in NATO, and we will continue to look for missions and other kinds of programs that they will support. Remember, NATO was with us in Afghanistan. Most of the member countries also lost soldiers and civilians in Afghanistan. They came to our uh, rallying uh, defense after 9 11. Uh, that meant a lot. And yes, we have to work out the financial aspects of it. But let's not forget what's really happening. With Russia being more aggressive, making you know all kinds of intimidating moves toward the Baltic countries, we've seen what they've done in eastern Ukraine. We know how they want to rewrite the map of Europe. It is not in our interest. Think of how much it would cost if Russia's aggression were not deterred because NATO was there on the front lines, making it clear you, they Secretary. could not move
1: forward. Senator. Let's talk about the U.S. relationship with Israel. Senator Sanders, you maintain that Israel's response in Gaza in 2014 was, quote, disproportionate and led to the unnecessary loss of innocent life. What do you say to those who believe that Israel has a right to defend itself as it
3: sees fit? Well, uh, as somebody who spent uh, many months of my life when I was a kid in Israel, uh, who has family in Israel, uh, of course Israel has a right not only to defend themselves but to live in peace and security without fear of terrorist attacks. That is not a debate, but, but what you just read, yeah, I do believe that, Israel was subjected to terrorist attacks, has every right in the world to destroy terrorism. But we had in the Gaza area, not a very large area, some 10,000 civilians who were wounded and some 1,500 who were killed. Now, if you're asking me, not just me, but countries all over the world, was that a disproportionate attack? The answer is, I believe it was. And let me say something else. Let me say something else. As somebody who is 100% pro-Israel, in the long run, and this is not going to be easy, God only knows, but in the long run, if we are ever going to bring peace to that region which has seen so much hatred and so much war, we are going to have to treat the Palestinian people with respect and dignity. So what is not... To say, to say that right now in Gaza, right now in Gaza, unemployment is somewhere around 40%. You got a lot of that area continuous. and hasn't been rebuilt, decimated, houses decimated, health care decimated, schools decimated. I believe the United States and the rest of the world have got to work together to help the Palestinian people. That does not make me anti-Israel. That paves the way, I think, an approach that works in the Middle Thank East. Thank you. Secretary Clinton, do you agree with Senator Sanders
1: that Israel overreacts to Palestinian attacks and that in order for there to be peace between Israel and the Palestinians, Israel must, quote, end its disproportionate responses?
2: I negotiated the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas in November of 2012. I did it in concert with (laughs) President Abbas of the Palestinian Authority, based in Ramallah. I did it with the then Muslim Brotherhood President Morsi, based in Cairo, working closely with Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Israeli cabinet. I can tell you right now because I have been there with Israeli officials going back more than 25 years, that they do not seek this kind of attacks. They do not invite rockets raining down on their towns and villages. They do not believe that there should be a constant incitement by Hamas, aided and abetted by Iran, against Israel. And so when it came time after they had taken the incoming rockets, taken the assaults and ambushes on their soldiers, and they called and told me, I was in Cambodia, that they were getting ready to have to invade Gaza again because they couldn't find anybody to talk to to tell them to stop it, they, I, I flew all night, I got there, I negotiated that. So I don't know how you run a country when you are under constant threat, terrorist attack, rockets coming at you. You have a right to defend yourself. That does not mean, that does not mean that you don't take appropriate precautions. And I understand that there's always second guessing anytime there is a war. It also does not mean that we should not continue to do everything we can to try to reach a two state solution, which would give the Palestinians Thank you. the rights, okay. and just let me finish the rights and the autonomy that they deserve. And let me say this if Yasser Arafat had agreed with my husband at Camp David in the late 1990s to the offer that Prime Minister Barack put on the table, we would have had a Palestinian Thank state you. Senator, for 15 go ahead. years already.
3: Go ahead, Senator. I don't think that anybody would suggest that Israel invites or welcomes missiles uh, flying into their country. That is not the issue. And you evaded the answer. You evaded the question. The question is, not does Israel have a right to respond. Not does Israel have a right to go after terrorists and destroy terrorism. That's not the debate. Was their response disproportionate? I believe that it was. You have not answered that.
2: Well, I will be, I will certainly be willing to answer it. I think I did answer it by saying that, of course, there have to be precautions taken. But even the most independent analyst will say the way that Hamas places its, its weapons, the way that it often has its fighters in civilian garb, it is, it is terrible. I'm not saying it's anything other than terrible, but it would be great. Remember, Israel left Gaza. They took out all the Israelis. They turned the keys over to the Palestinian people. And what happened? Hamas took over Gaza. So instead of having a thriving economy with the kind of opportunities that the children of the Palestinians deserve, we have a terrorist haven that is getting more and more rockets shipped in from Iran and elsewhere. I read
3: read Secretary Clinton's statement speech before AIPAC. I heard virtually no discussion at all about the needs of the Palestinian people. Almost none in that speech. So here is the issue. Of course Israel has a right to defend itself. But long term, there will never be peace in that region unless the United States plays a role, an even-handed role, trying to bring people together and recognizing the serious problems that exist among the Palestinian people. That is what I believe the world wants us to do. And that's the kind of leadership that we have got to exercise. Well, if
2: I I want to add, you know, again, describing the problem is a lot easier than trying to solve it. And I have been involved both as First Lady with my husband's efforts, as a senator supporting the efforts that even the Bush administration was undertaking, and as Secretary of State for President Obama. I'm the person who held the last three meetings between the president of the Palestinian Authority and the prime minister of Israel. There were only four of us in the room, Netanyahu, Abbas, George Mitchell, and me. Three long meetings. And I was absolutely focused on what was fair and right for the Palestinians. I was absolutely focused on what we needed to do to make sure that the Palestinian people had the right to self-government. Thank you. And I believe that as president, I will be able to continue to make progress and get an agreement that will be fair both to the Israelis and the Palestinians without ever, ever, ever undermining Israel's security.
3: There comes a time, there comes a time when, if we pursue justice and peace, we are going to have to say that Netanyahu is not right all of the time. Well, Secretary,
2: you know, I, 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 uh, I have spoken about and written at some length the very candid conversations I've had with him and other Israeli leaders. Nobody is saying that any individual leader is always right. But it is a difficult position if you are, from whatever perspective, trying to seek peace, trying to create the conditions for peace, when there is a terrorist group embedded in Gaza that does not want to see you exist. That is a very difficult challenge. You
3: gave a major speech to AIPAC, which obviously deals with the Middle East crisis, and you barely mentioned the Palestinians. And I think, again, it is a complicated issue, And God knows, for decades, presidents, including President Clinton and others, Jimmy Carter and others, have tried to do the right thing. All that I am saying is we cannot continue to be one-sided. There are two sides to the issue. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Secretary. We have to take
1: another quick, quick break for much more on the CNN Democratic presidential debate, live from Brooklyn, New York. That is coming up right after this. Welcome back to the CNN Presidential Debate. We're here in Brooklyn. Secretary, Senator, both of you talk about major reforms to college tuition, health care, and social security, all of which will take significant changes from Congress currently controlled by Republicans. Senator Sanders, you're promising health care and free college for all. And those plans would be met with both political and practical challenges. The Nonpartisan Committee for Responsible Federal Budget says your initiatives would cost up to $28 trillion, and even after massive tax increases, that uh, would add as much as $15 trillion to the national debt. How is this fiscally
3: responsible? Well, first of all, I disagree with that study. Where there are many economists who come up with very, very different numbers. For example, we are the only country, major country on earth, that does not guarantee health care to all people. And yet we end up spending almost three times what the British do, 50% more than the French. My proposal, a Medicare for All single-payer program will save save middle-class families many thousands of dollars a year in their health care costs. Public colleges and universities tuition-free, damn right. That is exactly what we should be doing. And I pay for that. I pay for that by telling Wall Street that yeah, we are going to have a tax on Wall Street speculation, which will bring in more than enough money to provide free tuition at public colleges and universities and lower the outrageous level of student debt. Wolf, we have seen in the last 30 years a massive transfer of wealth from the middle class to the top one-tenth of one percent. The establishment does not like this idea, but yes, I am determined to transfer that money back to the working families of this country. Thank you, Senator. Secretary, go ahead and respond.
2: Well, again, I, again, I, um, I absolutely agree with the diagnosis. The diagnosis that we've got to do much more to finish the work of getting universal health care coverage, something that... I've worked on for 25 years. Before there was something called Obamacare, there was something called Hillary Care, and we're now at 90% of coverage. I'm going to get us to 100%. And with respect to college, I think we have to make college affordable. We are pricing out middle class, working, and poor families. There's no doubt about that. But I do think when you make proposals and you're running for president, you should be held accountable for whether or not the numbers add up and whether or not the plans are actually going to work. And just very, very briefly, on health care, most of the people who have analyzed what Senator Sanders put out, remember, he had a plan for about, I don't know, 18, 20 years. He changed in the middle of this campaign. He put out another plan. People have been analyzing the new plan. And there is no doubt by those who have analyzed it, progressive economists, health economists and the like, that it would pose an incredible burden, not just on the budget, but on individuals. In fact, the Washington Post called it a train wreck for the poor. A working woman on Medicaid who already has health insurance would be expected to pay about $2,300. The same for free college. The free college offer, you know, my late father said, if somebody promises you something for free, read the fine print. You read the fine print, and here's what it says. The fine print says this, that it will... The federal government will cover two-thirds of the cost and require the states, even those led by Republican governors, to carry out with the remaining one-third of the cost. We
3: are not a country that has the courage to stand up to big money and do what has to be done for the working families of this country. Secretary Clinton will have to explain. To the people of our country, how it could be that every other major country on earth manages to guarantee health care to all of their people, spending significantly less per capita than we can. I live 50 miles away from Canada, you know? It's not some kind of communist authoritarian country. They're doing okay. They got a health care system that guarantees health care to all people. We can do the same terms of public colleges and universities. Please don't tell me that we cannot do what many other countries around the world are doing. Kids should not be punished and leave school deeply in debt. For what crime? For trying to get an education. Thank so you, yes, Senator.
2: Well, we are going to pay Clinton. for it. Well, Secretary, Secretary Clinton, go ahead. Clinton, go ahead. We, we, have a, we have a difference of opinion. We both want to get to universal health care coverage. I did stand up to the special interests and the powerful forces, the health insurance companies and the drug companies. And perhaps that's why I am so much in favor of supporting President Obama's signature accomplishment with the Affordable Care Act, because I know how hard it was to get that passed, even with a Democratic Congress. So rather than letting the Republicans repeal it, or rather starting all over again trying to throw the country into another really contentious debate. Let's make the Affordable Care Act work for everybody. Let's get to 100% coverage. Let's get the cost down. And let's guarantee health care.
1: Secretary, let's talk about Social Security, another critically important issue. Senator Sanders has challenged you to give a clear answer when it comes to extending the life of Social Security and expanding benefits. Are you prepared? To lift the cap on taxable income, which currently stands at $118,500, yes or no? Would you lift the cap?
2: I have said repeatedly, Wolf, I am going to make the wealthy pay into Social Security to extend the Social Security Trust Fund. That is one way. If that is the way that we pursue, I will follow that. But there are other ways. We should be looking at taxing passive income by wealthy people. We should be looking at taxing all of their investments. But here's the real issue, because I've I've heard this, I've seen the reports of it. I have said from the very beginning, we are going to protect Social Security. I was one of the leaders in the fight against Bush when he was trying to privatize Social Security. But we also, in addition to extending the trust fund, which I am absolutely determined to do, We've got to help people who are not being taken care of now. And because Social Security started in the 1930s, a lot of women have been left out and left behind. And it's time that we provide more benefits for widows, divorcees, for caregivers, for women who deserve more from the Social Security system. And that will be my highest priority. Go ahead, Senator.
3: Interesting comment, but you didn't answer the question. I did, if that's the way. No, you way, didn't. My yes, leg- I did. Can I, a- I did answer? I did answer the question. Can I, please? Well, Can don't, I ha- don't I put words into my mouth and say something that's not accurate. Go ahead, accurate. Senator. All right. Essentially, what you described is my legislation, which includes passive income. Now, we've got, here is the issue. Your answer has been the same year after year. In fact, the idea that I'm bringing forth, I have to admit it, You know, it wasn't my idea, it was Barack Obama's idea in 2008, exact same idea. He called for lifting the cap, which is now higher, it's at 118, and starting at 250 and going on up. If you do that, you're gonna extend the life of Social Security for 58 years, you will significantly expand benefits by 1300 bucks a year, for seniors and disabled vets under $16,000 a year.
2: What's wrong with that? Are you prepared to support it? I have supported it. You know, we are in vigorous agreement here, Senator. I think it's important to point out that, you know, we're, we're, we're having a discussion about the best way to raise money from wealthy people to extend the Social Security Trust Fund. Think about what the other side wants to do. They're calling Social Security a Ponzi scheme they still want to privatize it. In fact, their whole idea is to turn over the Social Security Trust Fund to Wall Street, something you and I would never let happen. Uh, so, yes, uh, we I both am, want to make sure so Social Security both, very is vibrant glad if I, and well-funded and hear the secretary. people at, at the, the bottom. Senator, Our go ahead.
3: i challenging, if I hear you correctly, Madam Secretary, you are now coming out finally in favor of lifting the cap on taxable income and extending and expanding Social Security. If that is the case, welcome on board. I'm glad you're here. No. Thank you.
1: Errol, Errol Lewis, go ahead.
2: We are going, we are, we are going. Secretary. I, as, as he said, I've said the same thing for years. I didn't say anything different tonight. We are going to extend the Social Security Trust Fund there is still something called Congress. Now, I happen to support Democrats, and I want to get Democrats to take back the majority in the United States Senate. So, a lot of a lot of what we're talking about can actually be implemented right, Carol,
1: on, when second,
4: I am president. Second, hold on, I've
3: got to admit. Go ahead, Senator. Maybe I'm a little bit confused. Are you or are you not supporting legislation to lift the cap on taxable income? And extend Social Security for 58 years and increase benefits. I have, yes or no?
2: I have said yes. We are going to pick the best way, or oh, combination, oh. or a combination of ways. You know, it, it's all—it's always a little bit uh, challenging because you know, if Senator Sanders doesn't agree with how you are approaching something, then you are a member of the establishment. Well, let me say Whoa. this. Let me say this. We are going to extend the Social Security Trust Fund. We've got some good ideas to do it. Let's get a Congress thank elected you. that will actually well, agree thank with you. us thank you. in doing yeah, it. We'll
4: Go ahead. OK, Secretary Clinton. I've got a question, question for could. you from uh, a reader here. of the New York Daily yes, News. Yes, Secretary Senator, uh, please. This is a of the reader. This is a reader of the Daily News that. who sent us uh, a question for you. Just a second, Senator. Uh, Hannah Green wants to know your position, Secretary Clinton, regarding President Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. President Obama said earlier this week that he would not withdraw the nomination even after the presidential election. If elected, would you ask the President to withdraw the nomination?
2: I am not going to contradict the president's strategy on this and I'm not going to engage in hypotheticals. I fully support the president. And I believe that the president the president is on the right side of both the constitution and history and the Senate needs to immediately begin to respond. So I'm going to support the president. When I am president, I will take stock of where we are and move from there.
3: Senator Sanders Well, there's no question. I mean, it really is an outrage, and it just continues the seven and a half years of unbelievable obstructionism we have seen from these right-wing Republicans. I mean, a third grader in America understands the President of the United States has the right to nominate individuals to the U.S. Supreme Court. Apparently, everybody understands that except the Republicans. So, Senator Sanders, would you you ask him to
4: withdraw the nomination? Yeah, but
3: here's the point. And obviously, Mm -hmm. I will strongly support that nomination as a member of the Senate. But if elected president, I would ask the president to withdraw that nomination because I think, I think this, I think that we need a Supreme Court justice who will make it crystal clear, and this nominee has not yet done that, It's crystal clear that he or she will vote to overturn Citizens United and make sure that American democracy is not undermined.
2: You know, there is no doubt that the only people that I would ever appoint to the Supreme Court are people who believe that Roe v. Wade is settled law and Citizens United needs to be overturned. And I want to say something about this, since we're talking about the Supreme Court and what's at stake. We've had eight debates before. This is our ninth. We've not had one question about a woman's right to make her own decisions about reproductive health care. Not one question. And in the meantime, we have states, governors, doing everything they can to restrict women's rights. We have a presidential candidate by the name of Donald Trump saying that women should be punished, and we are never asked about this. And to be complete in my concern, Senator Sanders said, with respect to Trump, it was a distraction. I don't think it's a distraction. It goes to the heart of who we are as women—our rights. Our autonomy, our ability to make our own decisions, and we need to be talking about that and defending Planned Parenthood from these senator outrageous Sanders. attacks. Your, well, response, me,
5: your response.
3: You're looking at a senator and former congressman who proudly has a 100% pro-choice voting record, who will take on. Those Republican governors who are trying to restrict a woman's right to truce, who will take on those governors right now who are discriminating outrageously against the LGBT community, who comes from a state which led the effort for gay marriage in this country, proudly so.
5: Thank you, Senator
3: who not only thinks we are not going to not defund Senator, Planned thank Parenthood... thank you. Your time is ...we've up. got to expand funding for Planned Parenthood. Senator,
5: Senator, Sanders. Senator Sanders, you've spoken a lot tonight about your votes in Congress. You have been uh, in Congress for over a quarter of the, cent- of the century, and there as an independent, not a Democrat. Now you're seeking the Democratic nomination... But Secretary Clinton has suggested that she's not even sure you are a Democrat. Are you?
3: Well, why would I be running for the Democratic nomination to be President of the United States? But but here is a good point. You know, in virtually all of the general election matchup polls between Trump and Secretary Clinton and Trump and Bernie Sanders, in almost all of those polls, I do better than Secretary Clinton. Both in the CNN poll, I was 20 points ahead of Trump. I think Secretary Clinton was 12 points. And you know why? Because, in fact, a whole lot of people, this may be a shock to the secretary, but there are a whole lot of independents in this country.
5: Senator Sanders. And we are not going
3: to win the White House based on just long-term democratic votes. We have got to reach out to independents and I think I am well qualified to do that. I'm in this race. As a democrat, I have raised millions of dollars for my colleagues in the United States Senate to help them get elected. I will do everything Senator- that I can to open the Democratic Party to the young people Senator- who are flocking into our campaigns.
5: Senator- Subject. Senator uh, Secretary Clinton mentioned electing a Democratic Congress several times. She says that she raised $15 million for the Democratic Party in the first three months of this year. You don't appear to have raised any money oh. for the party. So yesterday you did announce that you would help three members of Congress who have endorsed you. But why aren't you doing more now to help the party you say but you want to lead? The truth
3: is, and you can speak. Speak to my colleagues, we have raised millions of dollars for the DSCC. I have written letters that have raised just a, if I may use the word, huge amount of money. So that's just not accurate. But I will also say, and this is important, and maybe the Secretary disagrees with me, but I am proud that millions of young people who previously were not involved in the political process are now coming into it. And I do believe, I do believe that we have got to open the door of the Democratic Party to those people. And I think the future of the Democratic Party is not simply by raising money from wealthy campaign contributors. I think that the way we are doing it in you, this Senator. campaign, $27, a contribution, Senator, your time is up. not Thank being you. dependent on Wall Street or big money, Thank you, that you, is the Sanders. future of the, the Democratic Clinton. Party that I want to see.
2: Let us talk about where we are in this race. I have gotten more votes than anybody running, 9.6 million at the last count. That is, that is 2.3 million, 2.3 million more than Senator Sanders. And it is 1.4 million more than Donald Trump. And um, I think you have to look at the facts. And the facts are that I'm putting together a very broad-based, inclusive coalition from the South to the North, from the East to the West, with African-Americans, Latinos, women, union households, working people. And I am very proud of the campaign we are running. It is a campaign that will not only capture the Democratic nomination, but a campaign that will defeat whoever the Republicans end up nominating. Say that I do I do think it is absolutely critical and incredible that we have so many young people involved in the political process. I applaud all of those who are applauding you, Senator Sanders. We're happy that they are supporting you, that they are passionately committed to you and to the issues. But let me also say. It's going to be important that we unify the Democratic Party when the nomination process has Secretary been completed. Clinton, and I know, Secretary Clinton, thank you. I know you very something much. about that. Thank you very much. When I went to the very end of the 08 campaign with then-Senator Obama, Clinton, you're out of we time. did unify the party, and we did elect a Democratic Thank you very much. president. Senator Sanders, on that note, on that note, let Senator. Let me
5: just very please. briefly
3: say something. Senator Sanders, I agree please,
5: I want to I ask you a question about this, and then good, you can okay. incorporate that into your response. There are three months now between now and the Democratic convention. Your campaign manager says that you will absolutely take the fight to the floor if neither you nor Secretary Clinton clinches the nomination with pledged delegates alone. Do you vow to take this fight to Philadelphia no matter what?
3: I think we're going to win this nomination to tell you the truth.
5: Look, let me
3: acknowledge, let me acknowledge what is absolutely true, Secretary Clinton cleaned our clock in the Deep South, no question about it. We got murdered there. That is the most conservative part of this great country. That's the fact. But you know what, we're out of the Deep South now. And we're moving up. We got here, we're going to California, we got a number of large states there. And having won seven out of the last eight caucuses and primaries, Having a level of excitement and energy among working people and low-income people doing better against Donald Trump and the other Republicans in poll after poll than Secretary Clinton is, yeah, I believe that we're going to win this nomination, and I believe we're going to obliterate Donald Trump or whoever the Republican candidate is.
2: Now, let me say this.
3: Secretary Clinton, go ahead.
2: I, um, I think it's... Um... I think it's important for people out there watching this tonight to know that I also have a considerable lead in pledged delegates. And my lead in pledged delegates is actually wider than Barack Obama's lead was over me. And in addition to winning states in the Deep South, we won Florida, Texas, Arizona, Massachusetts, Ohio, Illinois, North Carolina, Missouri. and so. I think where we stand today is that we are, in this campaign, very confident and optimistic. But it all comes down to reaching every single voter. I'm not taking anything for granted, or any voter, or any place. So I'm going to work my heart out here in New York until the polls close on Tuesday. I'm going to work in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Delaware, and Maryland all the way through California, and when we end up with the number of delegates well, we need, we will unite the party okay. and have a well, unified I think, convention Senator, that ahead. will go I the, on to the general election the reason,
3: The reason why in virtually every contest, we are winning by very strong margins, younger people, and I'm not just talking about very young, you know, the older you get, the younger, youngest, 45 or younger is I think people are sensing that establishment politics and dependence on Wall Street and big money interest is really never going to address the crises that we face. And people understand you can't take money from powerful special interests into your pack and then really expect the American people to believe you're going to stand up to these powerful special interests. So I am very proud of the fact that we have brought millions of new people into the political Thank process, you, Senator. many of whom previously had given up. Thank you, Senator, very much. The candidates, they will make their final
1: pitches to New York voters right after this. Back to the CNN presidential debate. It's time for the candidates' closing statements. Uh, each candidate will have two minutes. Senator Sanders, you're first.
3: I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, the son of an immigrant who came to this country from Poland at the age of 17 without a nickel in his pocket, never made a whole lot of money, but was a very proud American because this country gave him and my mom the opportunity to send their kids to college. I believe that this country has enormous potential if we have the guts to take on the big money interests who dominate our economic and political life. And I disagree with Secretary Clinton in the belief that you can get money from Wall Street that you can get money for a super PAC from powerful special interests, and then at the end of the day do what has to be done for the working families of this country. I just don't accept that. What I believe is that this country, if we stand together and not let the Trumps of the world divide us up, can guarantee health care to all people as a right, can have paid family and medical leave, can make public colleges and universities tuition-free, can lead the world in transforming our energy system and combating climate change, can break up the large financial institutions, can demand that the wealthiest people in this country start paying their fair share of taxes. And we can do that when millions of people stand up Fight back and create a government that works for all of us, not just the 1%. That is what the political revolution is about. That is what this campaign is about. And with your help, we're going to win here in New York. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Secretary Clinton.
2: Secretary Clinton. Thank you. I am very grateful for the fact that the people of New York gave me the great honor of serving as your senator. You took a chance on me in 2000, and then you reelected me with one of the biggest margins we've had in our state in 2006. During those years. We worked closely together. I tried to have your back, and time and time again, you had mine. We took on the challenges of 9-11 together. We got the money to rebuild New York. We came to the aid of our brave first responders, construction workers, and others who endangered their own health by helping to save lives and search for survivors. We worked to create jobs despite the disastrous policies of George W. Bush across New York. And we stood up time and time again against all kinds of vested, powerful interests. I'm asking for your support again in the primary on Tuesday to continue that work together to take what we did in New York and to take those New York values to the White House and put them to work on behalf of all of our people, to knock down the barriers that stand in the way. You know, of course we have economic barriers. I've been fighting against those, trying to even the odds most of my adult life. But we also have racial barriers, gender barriers homophobic barriers, disability barriers. We have a lot of barriers that stand in the way of people being treated as they should and having the chance to live up to their own God-given potential. So I am humbly asking for your support on Tuesday. I'll work my heart out for you again. And together, we won't just make promises we can't keep, we'll deliver results that will improve the lives of people in New York. you. New York.
1: Thank you, Secretary. Thank you very much, Senator. I want to thank the candidates for a really terrific debate. Thanks also to Dana Bash and Errol Lewis, as well as New York One, the Democratic National Committee, and everyone here at the Dugal Greenhouse and the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Stay with CNN now for complete coverage of the New York primary next Tuesday. Anderson Cooper picks up our debate coverage right now.